Hey everybody, this is Brent Kellogg, the pastor of Hillspring Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And this is our podcast. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Our prayer is that this would inspire you, build your faith, and help you take the next step in Christ. Enjoy the message. So one of the things Pastor Will and I were talking about, we went to Cushing a couple uh, days ago, and we went down to to one of the high schools, and we're talking there. And, and one of the things that sometimes I forget about Pastor Will is he's been here for a couple years, but, but if you don't know this, Pastor Will is actually not from Oklahoma. He's from Mississippi. If I, he said, I can't remember the hometown that he's from. I think it said like Deliverance, Mississippi. I'm not sure, but that, like he's, he's from some, some spot in, in Mississippi. And so sometimes when we're driving, um, he doesn't know where we're going because he hasn't been there before. And so, and, and I don't know where I'm going half the time either, so get, we just get lost a lot, but, but we, we were going to Cushing and, and just kind of thinking about all the things that I've had to explain to Will about Oklahoma, things that maybe you guys know, uh, but some people who are not from here, they, they, have to, they have to learn these things. Like, I think it's just true that Oklahoma deep fries everything, right? I mean, like, if you go to the fair, you can eat a scorpion, a spider, I think an iguana at this point, uh, deep fry it, all right? That's, that's an option for you, the, the names of our communities here in Oklahoma are crazy. And if you're looking at it from the outside in, like, like what is a pushmataha? That sounds like a mower to me, right? Like, I, what, what, is, what is that? And how would, he, how would he understand that? But one of the things that I've had to explain to, to Pastor Will is that there's one thing that most of us in this room have done if you are an Oklahoman in any capacity. Most of us, and maybe we wouldn't admit to it, but most of us at one point in our lives have floated down the Illinois River, right? Like some of us have, have, have done, some of us have done that. And, and so let me just tell you a couple of things that you should know about me. First off, I can't swim at all, all right? I am, I'm not a swimmer. Um, and and I, I would say this as well. Every time I say that, multiple people in the congregation will come up to me and say, hey, Matt, like I know you can't, but like I can teach you. And I need you to understand that way better men than you have tried to teach me. And it just does not happen, all right? The center of gravity puts me on the ocean floor at most points. And so there's no point in trying to do this, uh, th- this for me. But, but here's another truth. Um, I go float the river about every summer, okay? And about every summer that I go and float this river, every time I get on the river, I remember how much I hate floating the river. Like, I, I hate it. But just in my own typical fashion, I can't tell anyone no. And so I need you to know because there are people in this room that I've floated the river with many times. When you ask me, I'm going to say yes, but I don't want to go, all right? Blanket statement. I don't, I don't want to be there. And if you've ever floated the river, you understand that that's a crazy scene into itself. If you get on the river and you're, you're just kind of floating down there, you're, you're going to see people that are drunk over on one side, people smoking weed over on another side, people caught up in trees and branches, people trying to find out ways to jump off of uh, rocks into the river. There, there's a crazy amount of things that happen, happen out on, on the river. And what you need to know if you have never floated the river, what you should know is like in life, you need to go with the right people, okay? I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm not much of a paddler, okay? I'm more of a sit there and eat the sandwiches that we brought in the cooler type of man. And so you have to have the right people. And why it's important that you have the right people is because there is a group of people in this church even, there's a group of people who say, hey, when we get on the river, we have an option. We can go on the six-mile float or we can go on the 12-mile float. 
I am an all day long six mile float kind of guy, okay? Really, I'm a mile and a half kind of guy, but if I have to do six, I'll do six. And I've went with people who like to go 12 miles, okay? And that is not what God would want for you, and that's definitely not what he would want for me. And so I don't know if you've ever been in that type of place. Like, so when I float the river and I go with these crazy people that want to go the long route, what ends up happening is there's this little curve. It's a little bit like heaven that when you curve around it, it looks like you're at the end. But guess what? The fallen world that we live in, it is not the end. It is just halfway through. And so when I get to that six mile, I sit there and think, man, maybe we're, maybe we're done. No, we just started, all right? And, and that's, that's, that's what it looks like. There's a goal in mind, but it's not there. You still got a long way to go. Here's, here, here's where I'm going with that story. I, I, I hope in this room we can be honest enough to say that there have been points in our lives where we wanted to be at a certain spot, but we just didn't get there. Like, like I don't know how old you are. Obviously, you guys all look like you're 25, but, but, but what, what I would say is there are people in this room, may, it's me, uh, that, that we had a place that we wanted to be at, at a certain point in our life, and we just never really made it there. Like maybe you had goals, maybe you had dreams, maybe you wanted to have a certain job, maybe you wanted to have a certain income, maybe you wanted to have a certain amount of money in the bank, but when you look at yourself in April of 2022, you just didn't get there. That, that's what we're going to talk about here today. And really, let's even take it a step further. Maybe we, we can talk about the, the stuff of our life, but why don't we talk spiritually for a second? There are sins in our lives that some of us, we've been struggling with for years and years and years, and we thought we'd be done with them. We thought we'd be over them. We thought we could get past them. But when we look at our life, we still struggle with those exact same things. And so what I want you to hear today is that you're not alone in that. And actually, the passages of Scripture we're going to be reading out of talks a lot about that. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Philippians chapter 3. We've been in a series on Philippians for a while now. Uh, I think this is number 455. And so as we go through this, I want you to know that there are times in our lives and there are times in this guy named Paul's life where he had a goal, but he just didn't get there yet. And that's what we're going to get into. So here we go. If you have your Bibles, Philippians 3, I'm gonna, we're going to do 12 through 14, but I want to go back a little bit and go to verse 7. Everyone say, I love you, Matt. Ooh, here we go. Verse 7. But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, him is Jesus, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ. And be found in him not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but that one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. Here's basically what he's saying in these verses, saying, I, I, I'm, I, whatever I've achieved in my life, the good things I've done in my life, the bad things I've done in my life, the things that I've accumulated, the, the money that I've made, the education that I've got, everything that I've ever got in life from working hard or doing whatever it is to get me to where I am today, I consider that basically a loss because what's more important than all of that stuff is knowing who Christ is. That's, that's where he's getting at. That's what he's trying to talk about. But verse 10 he kind of, it starts to get a little interesting here. In verse 10, he says, my goal, this is Paul, my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Paul lists out his goals, and his goal really is to know Christ. 
to know the power of his resurrection, the nearness of his suffering, the hope of the afterlife. This is stuff that Pastor Brent's talked about over the last couple of weeks. And then we get into verse 12. And in verse 12, he says this, not that I've already reached this goal, not that I've got there or that I'm perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I've been taken hold of by Christ. Again, I wanna go, verse 10, he says, my goal is to know him, okay? And then he says, I haven't got there yet in verse 12. He, here's, here's why this scripture is so interesting to me. That if you've spent any time in church at all, or maybe you haven't, this guy named Paul, Paul wrote this, uh, he wrote about 35% of the New Testament. Paul, if anyone in the Bible knows who Jesus is, is. If, you, if you've heard his story, in the book of Acts alone, there's three times where he gets to know Jesus. He sees him face to face. As he's walking down a road, Jesus shows up and blinds him and speaks to him. If I'm going to be honest in this room, you might have been a Christian for years and years and years, but I'm going to assume in this room no one has actually seen Jesus face to face, right? I, I, I'm just going to make that assumption, uh, the Bible talks about Paul at one point, he was caught up into the third heaven. I thought there was only one heaven. Now there's three, okay? I don't, I don't even know what that means, but here's my assumption that you probably haven't been there and I haven't been there, but Paul has. So when Paul says, I wanna know him, but I just haven't got there yet, I, I sit there and say, man, Paul, you're greedy, right? If anyone knows Jesus, it's Paul, right? If anyone knows him, it, it, it has to be Paul. He's the person that knows so much about him. A lot of our theology that we have about who God is comes from Paul's writing. He knows Jesus, but he's saying, I don't know him yet. That's interesting to me. And really, I think what this does for me is it shows me that Paul had a holy discontentment in his life. Like he wanted to know God more and more and more. And what he had already experienced was not enough for him. He needed to know more and more about God. This is why for some of us, we think about heaven. And I remember I used to think about this a lot when I was a teenager, like, do I really wanna go to heaven and all I'm gonna do is sing all day long? I'm gonna float on clouds? Like, I'm fat, how do I float on the cloud? Like, do you, do you think that's really going to happen? Do you think, that's, that, is that what heaven looks like? But it's, it's not that. This is really a picture of the idea that God is so big, God is so powerful, that every moment of eternity, we're gonna be he's gonna reveal more and more aspects about who he is that causes us to worship him more and more and more. This is, this is what Paul's saying is, I wanna know him more. Again, I need to know more about him. I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. And here's why this gets to me. It's like I said, I've been a Christian for 20 years. And in 20 years, there have been seasons in my life where I really was close to the Lord and seasons in my life where I felt like I wasn't close to him at all. Like, I, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I'm really high up here, and then sometimes I just dip really, really low. And, 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 and so Paul, like, Paul feels greedy here. But I read the scripture, it's not just Paul, though, right? Like Jesus, in, in Matthew chapter 5, he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So Jesus is saying that there are people, there are Christians that are going to do everything they can to know God more. They're going to hunger and thirst. Those aren't just like cute words. They're people who are really saying, I need to know God's word more than I need food, more than I need drink, more than I need anything else. I need to know who God is. The, the book of Psalms says that my flesh and my heart cry out to know who the living God is. There's a desperation there that I don't have a lot of times. And if we're honest in this room, I would feel like for a lot of us, we don't have that either. We might go through seasons where we do, but for the most part, as we look at the whole of our life, do we have that type of desperation? 
But hey, hey, let's keep going. Let's think about the disciples. Every one of Jesus' disciples, to the man, they died a horrible life, right? Some of them were crucified upside down. Some of them were put in a garden and set on fire to be candles for the emperor. They were killed in these horrific ways, but they did it because they knew Jesus and what Jesus was meant more to them than their own life, right? Let's, get out of, let's even get out of the Bible and let's think about historically. Let's think about people historically. I was reading this story just this, this week about a guy named Horatio Spafford. And early on in Horatio's life, he lost his four-year-old son, it just devastated his life. He lost his four-year-old son, and it broke him and his family. And then the story goes that he had a bunch of investments and all these buildings and all this stuff in Chicago. And if you know the history, uh, the great Chicago fire came through, and it destroyed all of his property. He lost a ton of money in that endeavor. And, but, but Horatio, he looked at it and said, okay, well, I, there's other things that God has for me. And so there's an evangelistic uh, mission trip he was about to go on, he and his family. And so he loads up his kids and his wife and he puts them on a boat and he sends them over to the trip. He was gonna come get them later on. He was gonna come over and be with them later on. But the story tells us that that ship, it starts, to, it get, starts getting water in it and it sinks and all four of his daughters died on that ship. His wife comes back, they meet up, they hug, they talk about this moment, and he gets out a piece of paper, he gets a pen, and he starts writing these words right here. He writes, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever, whatever my lot, you've taught me to say it's well, it is well with my soul. Why these kind of things haunt me? Why these things kind of bother me is because you see historically people desperate for God. You see the disciples desperate to know Jesus. You see uh, psalmists desperate to know who Jesus is. And then I look at the American church and I say, why don't we, why are we not that same people? Why are we not desperate for God like they were? What is the difference here? Why were they so in tune with who God was that if they said, if they takes all of my life, it's well with my soul. Whereas in Oklahoma, if the Sooners lose, I'm not coming to church the next day. I skipped church for WrestleMania, okay? So I get it. There's a desperation. It's a, a, it's a discontentment. There's a need to know God more. And why are we not that people? Why are we not there? And I think there's a couple of reasons. I think for a lot of us, we've boiled our faith down into just a set of rules that God will love me if I just do a couple of things for him. Like God will love me if I just quit cussing. Like God will love me if I just quit smoking. God, God will love me. He'll, he won't be mad at me if I just read my Bible every single day. But the days that I don't read my Bible, he's going to be angry at me. And so, so many of us, we walk into a worship service like this and we get into the songs. But most of the time in the first and second song, all we're doing is saying, God, forgive me. God, forgive me for what I've done. God, I'm so sorry, God. And he can't focus on worship because you're too focused on the sin inside of your life. And you have this feeling that maybe God's done with you or that maybe God regrets having you as one of his own children. But the truth is God still loves you in the middle of the low season in the middle of the high seasons, that God's love for you that went to a cross for you, your sin has no more power than his cross does. When he was on a cross hanging there with two sinners, he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. But his final words were, it is finished. Your work, your idea that you can make God happy with yourselves, that needs to be over. It's finished. Jesus, if you've given your life to him, he loves you today just as much as he loved you on the day you gave your life to him, just as much as he loves you on the day you've been the worst you could ever be. He loves you today that much. Amen? 
And then so here's, you've heard me use this illustration a million times. You're going to hear it again. I don't care. I got the mic. So here's what it looks like. We, a lot of us, we, we say, we look at our timeline of our life. We have Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And we say, well, man, if I'm bad on Saturday, man, I, gotta, I don't know if I can go into God's presence on Sunday because I'm scared he's going to be, he's mad at me. And, and here's the truth. God knew you on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. He lives outside of the timeline that you and I live inside of. And so he loves you. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 that before the very foundations of the world, I knew you and I loved you. I wrote your name in the book of life. There's nothing you can do. You don't got that big magic eraser that can erase your name out of the book of life. He's the one who puts it there. He's the author. He's the finisher of your faith. That's who our God is and that's who we worship. And so let's quit giving in to this idea that maybe God will love me if I keep all his rules. No, God loves you today because he kept the rules, because he became what you couldn't become. He imputed into you the righteousness of God that you couldn't do to yourself. He who knew no sin became sin for all of us. That was so separate, I'm sorry. Let's keep going, let's keep going. Here's what I would say. Um, a lot of us were too focused on how we love Jesus. We need to be focused on how he loves us. That our walk with Christ doesn't have to be out of response to rules, but out of response to love. Jesus said, as the fathers love me, so I love you. Is there any point in God's life where he said, I don't love Jesus anymore? As the father loves me, so I love you. Let's keep going. Uh, we, we go into this, this verse here, um, Philippians 3, verse 13, and it says like this, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing that I do, this is why you know he's a preacher, by the way, he says one thing I do, and then he lists out like five. He says, one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining towards what's ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Here, here, we've got three points. I'm about this. We've got three points. Here we go. Number, number one, number one, if you want to go to where God has you, if you want to get out of where you're at, if you want to try to work on that holy discontentment, a couple things he gives you. First one is that you got to forget what's behind you. You got to forget what's behind you. I, I, like, I, like I, I'm going to be honest with you. I hate wearing shoes. It's not my thing. I'm an Indian. We, we touch the ground. That's what we do, right? That's, that's, that's who I am. There are many times, Cassie can tell you that, I've driven to work and I forgot my shoes at home, all right? Like, I, I forget things. There are times where Cassie will ask me to, like, maybe do the laundry. I forget that she asked me to do that. She needs to do it herself, right? Like, that's, that's just part of it. That's how this... Oh, okay, yeah. Anyways. Um... We forget things. I was reading a, an article just that happened last week. Someone wrote about these, these neuroscientists are, are looking into the fact that we as a culture are forgetting more and more each and every day. And they're saying there's a couple of reasons behind it. The pandemic, obviously everything can be blamed on that. Uh, the pandemic that we've been through so many transitions in the last two years that it's just taking away from our thoughts and, our, and, our, and, our, and all the things in our mind. It says all the information that we get hit with every single day on social media and news sites and everything else. It's just, it's just like, like completely taking our mind from us and helping us to forget things. That, that really is an excuse for you, for some of you men in this room, for your, for your wives, that you just forgot you got too much stuff going on. That's, that's where we're at. You can use that. But th this is what he's talking about, that sometimes we've got to forget what's behind us. And, and so if you know Paul's story, then you know what he has to forget, right? Th think about Paul for a second. Paul, his name was actually Saul for a long time there, right? And in the book of Acts, 
It tells us there's a man named Stephen. Stephen was a preacher, and he was preaching the gospel. And the people got so angry that he was preaching the gospel that they went and they picked up a bunch of rocks. And this weren't like, like pebbles out on a playground. These were huge, jagged rocks. And they picked them up, and they started throwing them at Stephen to kill him. The Bible tells us that as he was hitting Stephen, he, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then he looks up into heaven and he sees Jesus standing in front of him. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. But the story also adds in this part right here that the people who were throwing the rocks and stoning Stephen, they also before that put their coats down in front of a man named Saul. And again, Saul is Paul. That Saul was there while Christians were being killed. Saul was there when... Saul actually asked to get a bunch of people together to round up the Christians, put them in jail, and to murder them. Paul was an evil, evil man prior to knowing who Jesus was. He persecuted the church. He tried to kill people over and over and over. He approved of the death of Stephen and probably way more people than that. I wonder if when Paul's on a boat to Macedonia, or when Paul is walking into the church of, 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 of Ephesus, I wonder if he sits there and thinks, I shouldn't be up here. I shouldn't be telling them because of all the stuff I've done in the past. Like these very people I'm preaching to, with, by the way, the disciples that I was persecuting, who am I? And I think sometimes when Paul's writing, sometimes he's writing to remind himself too that I've got to forget these things. And here's where you and I are at sometimes. I think God has something in your life. Actually, I'm, every person in this room, God has a call on your life. But so many of us, we're not going to go towards that call because we keep looking back at those things that we've done. We keep looking back and saying, well, I, I said I was never going to do that, and then I did it. Like I said I wasn't going to do these things, and then you, you get caught up in these things. And, in, and then in our, our kind of tired and weak moments, we say, well, we can't, we can't be doing anything for the Lord. We don't, we don't, we're not worthy of that. Paul encourages us to quit looking back. Here's my encouragement, Hillspring, quit looking back. Stop, like I, I, I don't know what it is in your past, but again, I wanna go back to, Jesus said it's finished on a cross, which means that whatever you've done, whatever you've done, get, you can throw any of them you want at me, whatever you've done, it does not have the power that that cross has. That you, you don't have it in you. You can't, you can't outsend the love of God, right? Like you don't have that inside of you. That's not who you are. God has something better for you. And so God looking at you doesn't regret you. God looking at you doesn't say, well, man, he screwed up so bad that I can't use him. There's no one in this room. None of us are qualified. None of us are qualified, but yet God still uses us. This is, this is for you and me today. Stop looking back there. Stop looking back there. And some of you, you debated on coming to church today. Some of you, you debated on if I'm going to even be here today. And I think God had you here for this reason right here. Quit looking back. It's not there anymore. And here's the deal, by the way, not just your past, but so many of us, and this is what I've learned in church a lot of, like so many of us, we went to Falls Creek when we were teenagers, or we went to a really cool camp, and so we, we kind of crystallized those moments and said, that's when I was the most spiritual. That's when I was the most on fire for the Lord. And we look at those moments, and then we feel bad about these moments because we weren't that. But today, God's anointing is right here with you right now, as much as it was back there as well. So let's quit looking at the past and seeing what God did then, and think about what God will do today. I think Paul sometimes would look and say, man, I remember the rocks I picked up. I remember the things I picked up. And here's the truth again, quit picking up those rocks. We're looking at those things. So many times we, we, we start to look back and I think 
It also entices us to just go back. Stop looking back. You want to know Jesus more? He says, I'm gonna forget the past. And the second thing here, he's gonna strain towards what's ahead. The imagery here is, is a race. And obviously racing, it takes some kind of discipline. Cassie and I, we started couch to 5K for one day and then we gave up on it. Um, it's really kind of couch to couch, honestly, if we can be honest about that. Um, it's really a way for her just to buy new tennis shoes. But um, we, he's saying that I strain towards what's ahead and I wanna know him more. But to know God more, it's gonna take some discipline. Now, I don't want you to get into this mindset again, like I just talked about that, it's all rules-based, rules-based, rules-based. No, it's response-based. I'm responding to what Jesus did on the cross. I wanna know God more, so I wanna read his word more because of what he did on the cross. Jesus radically changed my heart. He radically changed your heart. And if my heart is Jesus, then I wanna know more and more about him. And so I wanna get into these rhythms. And so it's not just I'm gonna to come to one service a month or, or I'll give a little extra when I get a little extra. It's the discipline of walking even when you don't feel like it. It's the discipline of reading even when you don't want to. It's the discipline of saying, hey, I've been hurt at church. I've, been, I've, had, I've had really bad experiences, but I'm still gonna keep going because I believe God has a mandate and a call on my life. The difference in the disciples and sometimes in us today is just really the discipline that we have. And so we said, He's moving ahead. He's straining to go forward. Here, here's my question to you today. Hill Springs, which way are you going? Are you going forward? Are you going side to side? Are you going backwards? Which, which, which way are you going? Let me just be very bold with you today. I love you. You said you loved me earlier. When are you going to start reading your Bible? Like, really? When are you really going to take serious the things of God? And, and, and don't, don't give me that I can't read stuff. You can listen to the Bible. When are, you, when are we gonna really take serious the fasting and praying that God's called each of us to do? The book of Corinthians tells us that all of us in this room are ministers of reconciliation. Guess what? I got a degree at Trinity Bible College to be a pastor, but that doesn't make me any better than you, and that doesn't make me any more of a pastor than you. When are we, and I'm not trying to shame you, when are we gonna take serious the things of God? When are we gonna walk into a church service and not think about all the things that we don't like about this service and really say, hey, I don't even know this song. I don't know if I even like this song, but that song's not about me. It's about who Jesus is. And so I'm gonna give him my most amount of worship. When are we gonna be those people? He says, I'm straining ahead. It's not easy, but I'm straining ahead ahead. If it means I got to clear my calendar out, I'm straining ahead. If it means that I got to get up an hour earlier to read my Bible, I'm straining ahead to do those things because I want to know him. Here, here's, just start today. Start today. Whatever it is that God's called you to do, start today. Well, Matt, Monday's are easier. Start today. Who you are today determines who you are tomorrow. Start today. You guys still with me? Keep going. Number three, let's press on towards the goal. I'm gonna be bold again. Um, man, I love you. That your goal in life isn't to raise the best kids, have the best reputation, to be the best in school, to memorize the most Bible verses. Your goal is to know Jesus. Your goal is to do the call in which God's put on your life. This verse tells us that we don't let circumstances or pressure 
or pain get on our, in our way, we press on. When it's hard, we press on. I, I just, I, I think about these stories in the, in the New Testament of people who, who did whatever they could do to get to know Jesus, to be in his presence more and more and more. I think of the woman who, who has the issue of blood and she can't be healed and she can't figure anything out. And so she's standing in this huge crowd of people and all she's thinking is, if I can just get to Jesus, if I can just get near to Jesus, if I can just touch him, then maybe his healing can come. And so she does whatever she can do. She crawls through people, she gets through people, she pushes people, she does whatever she can do to get to know who Jesus is. I, I think of, of the story of the man who, who couldn't walk and he, he hears about Jesus being near in his hometown. And so he, he, he asks his friends to, to come and pick him up and carry him to who Jesus is. They pick him up and they carry him over to, to the house where Jesus is. But if you know the story, the house is full. You can't get into the house. And so they could have just turned around. They could have said, okay, well, we tried our best. Man, we tried to figure this church out. We tried to connect in with the pastor. We tried one small group. We tried to go through growth track, but man, it didn't work, so we're, we're just gonna keep going. We're gonna find something. We're, we're good. We're, we're, we're out, okay? They could have just said, we're done, but they didn't. You know how the story goes. They, they pick him up. They put him up on the roof, okay? I hate these people, by the way. They, they cut a hole in, the, in their ceiling. I would have killed them at that point, all right? Roofs are expensive. They cut a hole in his ceiling, and then they lower him down in front of Jesus. And Jesus was moved by their faith. Pressing on type of faith is what moves Jesus. It's why Stephen, again, being stoned, being, had those rocks rolled down, looked up and saw Jesus stand up from his throne and look down at the earth. It's the kind of faith of a guy named Zacchaeus. You guys have sang his song for years and years and years. But Zacchaeus, Jesus was coming into town. He was the only hope of the world. And Zacchaeus said, I need to know this guy. Zacchaeus was caught up in finances and making money. And he realized that his money and all the things that he accumulated could never fill him. He knew he needed something else and he knew it was gonna be Jesus. And so Jesus walks into town and he, he goes to see Jesus, but he's, he's a little short guy. He can't see over everybody. And so the Bible tells us that instead of him just walking away and saying, today's not my day, he said, no, 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 today is my day. And what I'm gonna do is I'll climb up into a tree just to see see Jesus. And as he climbed up into the tree, that activated the moment where Jesus looks at Zacchaeus and says, Zacchaeus, come down because I'm coming over to your house today. The hope of the world is coming into your home. It's through a press, pressing on type of faith. Some of you today are ready to quit. Some of you today are ready to be done. You've prayed for it, you've prayed for it, and you've prayed for it, and yet it hasn't came through for you. And I'm telling you today, I hope that you hear today that God's saying, press on through it. Keep pushing through it. Keep straining forward. Don't go back. Keep on moving. Can we give God a shout of praise for the type of faith that tells us that no matter the circumstances, no, no, a little bit longer, a little bit of praise that says, I know there's a breakthrough. I know there's a healing coming. It's a pressing on past my circumstances. I'm not, so I don't care if we cut the recording or not now, but at this point I need you to hear, and, and here's the youth pastor in me. I, keep, I was at a youth conference and I, I heard this stat that said that the next generation that's coming up, this generation is gonna not know, there's gonna be more of this generation that doesn't know Jesus than the previous generation. And it painted this huge grim picture of what the future is gonna look like. And I remember sitting at this youth conference, sitting there thinking, wait a second, you didn't factor in the Holy Spirit 
He didn't factor in the fact that I don't save people. It's Jesus who saves people. And so this next culture, this next generation, they're going to be just fine. I see people sitting on cameras. I see people in a video booth. I see people over in that, in that uh, kid's building. And they're teenagers serving because they believe that their generation is not lost. Because we saw a little girl right here that the gates of hell would take. But she said, no, I believe in Jesus. It's the pressing on kind of faith that says even the gates of hell will never take over my church. Don't look back. Push forward. Start today. And when it gets hard, keep going. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's a couple of things I want to invite you to do. First, hit the subscribe button. That way, you won't miss a single episode. Secondly, if this message has impacted you and you would like to help us reach others, visit our website at hillspring.tv and hit the Give Now button so that we can take this message around the world. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.